Hi, I'm Billy Shore. Welcome back to Add Passion and Stir. This is the conversation we love to have with people who are tackling difficult problems and bringing innovative solutions to them. And we have somebody in that category with us today, the mayor of Scranton, Pennsylvania, uh, and a member of our Mayor's Alliance to End Childhood Hunger, Mayor Paige Cognetti. Uh, mayor, thank you so much for being with us. It's wonderful to be here, Billy. Thank you for having me. Mayor, I know that you became mayor back in 2020 and then were elected to a full term in 2021. You'd had experience as a director on the school board. You have just actually, you bring so much to Scranton, so much amazing experience. Also working as Undersecretary of International Affairs at the U.S. Treasury Department. You've got an MBA and a degree in English literature. And I'm really curious which one uh, is more valuable to you in your work <laughs> as mayor. Is it a, uh, is it a that, close that call? That always depends on, on the hour of the day. <laughs> uh, well, I definitely use them both all the time. Well, th there's a, a lot I, I want to cover in terms of what's going on in Scranton and your work there. But um, we were just chatting before we started to record about our various experiences, uh, some decades apart now, uh, doing political work. But uh, would love for our listeners to hear how your career began, uh, particularly in, in government. Yeah, I, I didn't go into college or come out of college even thinking that I was going to, to be in government. Uh, I thought I was going to be a professor of English literature. That was my real passion back back in college. And then uh, I ended up going to Japan for a couple of years and teaching English to junior high school kids. It happened to be at a time where the United States uh, was, was going to war in Iraq. And uh, when you're in Japan and you are in a room of 60 people um, who have been, uh, you know, raised in a, in a, a time when Japan was not going to war and very curious about why anybody would want to go to war, uh, you start to really think about the foreign policy of your country. And that experience being in Japan during that time um, led me to want to have a, a say in our government here in the United States and try to drive it in a different direction. So. I moved to Washington, D.C. when I got home from Japan and um, ended up on a congressional campaign up here in northeastern Pennsylvania and uh, kind of went into to politics first and then was able to, to go into the Obama administration at the Treasury Department. So I was very fortunate to be able to see both the campaign side and the, the policy side uh, early on in my career. But it's really the entire time just been about making sure that we're, we're getting the American dream in, made into a reality for people. We're improving quality of life, that we're giving everyone a fair shot. We know that that is what America is supposed to be. And it's been a real privilege to be able to work on those things first at the federal level as a junior staffer. And then now uh, as a mayor at the local level, we're working really, really hard to improve quality of life and to prove the case to people, to families, whether they've been here for generations or whether they're first generation that the American dream is alive and that we care and government works for people. Um, sometimes that gets lost and being at the local level is really, really gratifying because the work that we're doing is, is we can see it on the ground. We hear the stories on the ground. We can see where people are starting to come to us more and more for help. And it's really, it's really encouraging. 
Well, you know, I'm always fascinated by um, the way people's kind of passions lead them often in a non-linear way. Your experience in Japan is uh, unlike any that I've <laughs> that I've heard before in terms of you know that mix of what was happening in the moment internationally and and just back. Let me just back you up even a little bit further. What what led you to go to Japan? So I graduated from college in the my senior year was the year that 9/11 happened. And, um, you know, the economy, similar to other times where we've had great crises in our country, the economy wasn't doing great. And it was a time to look for other things. So I decided that instead of pursuing a, various types of jobs at home, that I would take the opportunity to go abroad for a couple of years. And I really wanted to live abroad again. I'd studied abroad. And we all know study abroad is, is wonderful, but you don't really live in the country. You end up, you know, shooting off every single weekend to, to go to various places. And I really wanted to actually live in a, in a different country and experience that. Uh, so the, it's actually the JET program was through the Japanese government. And it's a really, really special program. It was really neat to be able to live in a foreign country for two years. And I, I grew a lot as a person, um, in addition to kind of having that spearhead my, my different career path. The combination, I guess, is so impressive because I always feel like politics uh, and campaigning teaches you to do just about everything uh, and serves you well when you get involved in local politics. And then, you know, also the lens of the international experience. Uh, we work at Share Strength with a lot of returned Peace Corps volunteers and so forth. And uh, they're just amazing. And I feel like, you know, you bring both that international and that uh, local campaign experience uh, to Scranton. It must be a very powerful combination. Yeah, it's been, it's just been really fun. And it's the international piece is great because when we meet people from you know, foreign countries and we host, we you know, get a lot of folks that want to come through Scranton um, from, from different consulates and embassies down in DC or New York, they'll come in and want to tour Scranton, especially during uh, presidential campaign years. That's probably not a surprise. Uh, it's always fun. They're surprised that that I've got some international experience, and it's always good to be able to talk about that. And then to meet exchange students. The best part of being mayor is is kids, right? Kids from two to you know twenty six when they're in their grad school years, just trying to pay it forward a little bit and teach kids about the different opportunities they have. And to your point about nonlinear, making sure that that kids know at every age that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know in junior high school what you want to do. You don't even need to know in your undergrad what you want to do, um, taking the pressure off of people a little bit. I always try to impart that advice because it's really easy to put too much pressure on yourself and think that you have to follow some set path. And that's not the case. Um, Mayor, did I read correctly a tweet of yours a, a few moments ago uh, or an hour or so ago that uh, just today you were uh, convening with Rep. Ro Kana and others about economic yeah. investments in Scranton. Could we could we just t take a minute? Uh, I just saw that on Twitter, sure. and I figured uh, in real time I'd be love to hear what that was about. Yeah, um, Representative Kana from you know from the the, the Bay Area, San Jose, Silicon Valley. Uh, I think it's CD seventeen. Uh, he reached out just a couple days ago that he was doing a swing through uh, through the Northeast, and did I have some time to to set up some conversation? about workforce and the economy. And we've got incredible partners here for me to be able to call and say, hey, want to come over Wednesday morning? So we convened a, a great roundtable with a combination of trades unions, um, entrepreneurial uh, support network. Our, we have a local think tank that does a tremendous amount of research for us on the economy. We have six colleges and universities right here in Scranton, a city of 80,000. So we were able to get most of them uh, at the table today. And we, we talked about the, the 
overall economy, the trajectory of our economy, Scranton, you know, was built on anthracite coal and textiles, and there's obviously been a lot of ups and downs in the economy. But people over the the last you know 30, 40 years have done a tremendous job of diversifying the economy here in Scranton. So that the story here, while certainly over time one of uh, economic loss and industry going abroad or or other places. We, we were very resilient and we've built up a diverse economy that is, is pretty resilient to, to economic shocks. It's based on ed- education, medicine, but also still on manufacturing. And that's a story that gets lost a lot. People want to talk about the quote rust belt and say, you know, everything, all, all the manufacturing is gone. All the industry is gone. That's not the case. We still have 11% of our jobs here in Northeastern Pennsylvania that are based in manufacturing. We're looking to grow that as many companies uh, look to reshore as defense contractors and defense spending starts to reshore. So we're, we're really experiencing a, a really interesting economy. And we're only two hours from New York City. We're only two hours from Philadelphia. We can get down to D.C. in four and a half hours, up to Boston in about five. We're, we're within eight hours of 25% of the U.S. population. So logistically, we make sense. We also, for entrepreneurs, make sense. If you want to have a low overhead for your startup, you can settle here right in Scranton and get to your in- investor meeting in New York City within a couple hours. So we have a lot to offer. I think we are going to, to shine. You have convinced me that Scranton is the heartbeat of America. Yes, it is. It's right. See, you've been hearing you've been hearing about it your whole life and you just <laughs> and you have your Philly in Pittsburgh, but you just hadn't you hadn't focused on Scranton enough. <laughs> and, and what's the man what's the manufacturing look like now that you were talking about? Yeah, so there's there's still a lot of smaller family-run businesses. We have a couple of family-run steel companies that have been here for generations that are still operating. Um, we have different uh, manufacturers that are, are offshoots from, from you know, German companies, and, and we have Mitsubishi Chemical is here. We have a lot of foreign companies as well. We have um, defense contractors that are here, one that's a couple that are right here in the heart of, of Scranton. That make you know various various things for for lots of different industries, but but that are all defense contractors themselves. So there's there's a lot of diversity within that. I think that the generations you know before me here today learned you know really learned the hard way that if you build everything on one extractive industry like coal, things are are, are not going to necessarily go well forever. And so we've we've kind of by default not designed at first, but by design over the, the course of the last couple of decades, really tried to design a diverse economy that can withstand economic shocks and things like, uh, you know, companies deciding to go abroad. During the pandemic, our downtown did not suffer as much as other cities' downtowns because we don't have any one flagship company that had, you know, thousands of jobs and thousands of people that when they went home, decimated the downtown. It's It's, it's a real patchwork of law firms and architectural firms and, and banks and small businesses and a variety of industries. Um, a lot of them still family run. So very much a family based community. So again, you know, it's more default than design, but a design that, that hasn't been um, completely unplanned to, to make sure that Scranton is resilient. So we've, we've enjoyed a, a, some stability even in the wake of the pandemic and we're seeing a lot of business starts. We're really seeing a lot of folks, take up us up on our grant opportunities. We're doing a lot of small business and entrepreneurship grants with our rescue plan dollars. 
we're seeing that um, from some of the, the folks that are expanding their businesses. We've seen a lot of startups and we're starting in a very exciting development. We're starting to see a lot of women and a lot of people of color that are applying for our grants that I don't think two years ago would have necessarily trusted us to, to apply for that grant and give us their information. So we are starting to see, in my view, an, an increase in the trust in the local institutions. And that makes me really, really optimistic. Yes. And it sounds like the kind of diversification you were talking about economically is also taking place in terms of the population and the representation of people who are you know, applying for these grants. It's, it, it, it sounds like a much more kind of uh, inclusive uh, scenario than than you know people may have thought about Scram. Very very much so, and our our population is diversifying very quickly. Um, you know, just over the last decade, um, we have uh, about ten thousand um, fewer white residents and ten thousand um, new uh, black, brown, and South Asian residents. So it's a a very diverse community, much more than it would have been even just a decade ago, and it's it's very very exciting and to see us you know, tr- making inroads in what our outreach look like, looks like and what the uptake on those, those grants and those opportunities looks like is very exciting. And of course, you know, we're hoping helps us as we tackle hunger, as we try to get up information about things that are available, not just on the business front, but on the nonprofit front, um, our weatherization programs, our health programs, as we, you know, look at the IRA bill and the opportunities for, for tax incentives and things like that. We're hoping that our that our expanded outreach is going to continue, and that we'll be able to successfully uh, get those dollars out the door and connect people to those opportunities. Well, I'm glad you mentioned hunger because we're getting to know each other uh, because you became such a early and enthusiastic leader in our mayor's alliance uh, to end childhood hunger, which we're so grateful for your commitment and your leadership. I'd love to just. Uh, understand better what hunger looks like in Scranton, what kind of issues uh, of hunger and poverty you face there and some of the approaches that you're bringing to it. Yeah. So you, you did mention that I was on the school board um, before I became mayor and it was, it was very enlightening to sit on the school board and see the numbers that, you know, around 80% of the Scranton school district students qualified for free or reduced lunch. How many, how many students in your, in your school districts there? 10,000. 10,000. So we're 80,000 80, people, about 10,000 in, the, in the, the public school district. And, and so you have you know, this, this huge population of, of folks that, that, are, um, that qualify for those free and reduced meals. And then in, for our county, which is about 215,000, we think about 8,000 children are food insecure on a daily basis. And this is, it's, it's so interesting because it's, it's still kind of hidden. We, we, we talk, you know, we at the city, of course, public officials and, and community partners, we feel like we're always talking about this, but it still doesn't quite feel like people understand the breadth of the problem and don't quite understand the urgency of it. Even though during the pandemic we saw, and, you know, I'm sure any, well, any anyone that, that tracks hunger, but especially mayors, and that's my world. But we all have our story of that moment where we we, we either we drove by the the line for the food bank, and it was you know wrapping up you know like a mile of traffic, or we we saw you know, the 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 certain car of somebody we knew that was in the food line that we would have never guessed was food insecure, right? We we remember those things and. 
we draw, we certainly drew attention to them. We during April of 2020, we did a, a big um, online fundraiser for hunger and for the food banks. Um, but we still feel like we don't have the the education out there and the information out there, the awareness of the issue that we need to have. So that's something that we're really focused on here in Scranton. Um, part of our uh, White House commitment to end hunger is. To, we have a, a task force in place, but this summer we're kicking off an expansion of that that includes many more community partners, including a lot of our healthcare um, professionals, our hospitals, and our, our, our nonprofit healthcare providers. So we're, we're trying to get the information and the awareness out there in different ways. And that's not just for the folks to know that, that they you know, should give to the food bank. We really want people to understand their whole community and that we're not you know, this kind of have and have not Scranton, that we really need people to understand that we are one community and our success is only as success is only as good as the baseline for, you know, the family that's struggling. So we're trying to figure out how we get that awareness out. And, um, you know, it's a challenge, but that's what's so great about the Mayor's Alliance is being able to work with other mayors, you know, with share our strengths, with others that have seen this in other places, feel the best ideas, Steal the ideas that have worked in, you know, maybe in San Antonio or Mesa and figure out how we raise that awareness. And, and also, of course, on the programmatic side, how we improve that. You know, on the programmatic side, one of the things that we see a lot are uh, children, families, moms and others who are eligible for uh, really important benefits, whether it's school breakfast or the SNAP or WIC program but have, have lots of barriers in their way between standing between them and, and actually being enrolled in those. And I'm wondering if that's something you see in Scranton, is that something a mayor's office is able to address and help people with? Yeah, that's one of the pillars of our, our new task force is identifying barriers uh, and you know brainstorming solution, but identifying what those barriers are because uh, you know once you dig in, to your point, there are all sorts of surprising things that pop up that you you wouldn't think of, right? Um, barriers to people being able to, um, you know, so there, of course, there's language barriers, but there's some other ones, you know, if somebody, somebody was incarcerated and they don't have a driver's license. And for some reason, the program they're trying to access requires a driver's license. And they're in this, this horrible feedback loop where they can't, you know, they can't get the benefit because they don't have the ID and they can't. And so trying to identify those pieces and work on those types of things uh, where we can at the state level too, if there's if there's things that the the, the state statute that needs to change, we'll advocate for those changes. Sometimes it's just a matter of helping someone get that driver's license or that that other credential that they need to have access to something. But that's what's so great about like, increasing that group, um, increasing it outside of outside of the people that prov- that actually provide the service. Outside of healthcare, we have. The colleges and universities, University of Scranton is really tremendous on helping us reduce language barriers. They have a, a whole program um, that started out originally with helping our refugee population. And we've expanded working together with, of course, still our refugee population, but helping break down those those um, language barriers throughout the city. We have, uh, have 5,000 people of Bhutanese descent here in Scranton. Uh, which is a really interesting uh, immigration story. They're refugees from Bhutan that via Nepal. They were actually, uh, those families were in Nepal and then came to Scranton after that. Um, and so we've been working with them, University of Scranton, especially over many years, has been working with them 
to to help their community thrive. And it's, it's just an amazing community. But of course, the language barriers are still quite strong. And we worked on that a lot during COVID and trying to get the, the vaccines out. The same type of kind of muscle memory that we're trying to utilize with, with some of the new communities. We have a large Congolese population. Um, and of course, you know, our Spanish speaking population continues to grow. And so we're we're trying to figure out how we how we continue to get information out that way. Uh, and, and this is going to be a bit of a digression, but it's so interesting. Uh, how did the uh, populations from uh, Congo and Bhutan uh, come to Scranton? Why Scranton? Yeah, isn't that so interesting? Yeah, I mean, I when I first came to Scranton, I, I moved in 2016 um, from New York City to uh, be with be with my then boyfriend, now husband. Um, and the first thing I did, I I I. Back to the Japan conversation, I love teaching English as a second language, so I reached out to Catholic Social Services. I knew that they ran a, an English as a, a second language program, and so started to to work with um, some of these folks who had had just come over and and got to know that population. Um, the the the, but, the Bhutanese just they they the federal government you know just kind of started sending families here. There, there's also um, some Bhutanese up in Syracuse and some places in Ohio and in the region, but the concentration really is here in Scranton. The families wanted to be together. The community wanted to be together. They have, um, they have a, just a really, really incredible community base that they've built up here over time. And it's been long enough that, um, you know, the kids are starting to graduate high school, college, and are now in the in the workforce. Um, and they're just they're a fixture of our community. It's really neat. Scranton's getting more interesting every minute that we talk. <laughs> I'm happy. Mayor, I, I know you think about this as a mayor. Uh, I also know that you and your husband have a daughter at home and one on the way. Um, how does how does being a mom affect the way you think about this issue of hunger? Yeah. Um, it was, so I had my, we had our first daughter in December of 2019. And so I remember sitting, sitting at home with her, nursing her, um, working from from my laptop in, in April of 2020 and watching I was watching like I think a, a Facebook live feed of the the line at one of our uh, local food drives and it was it, it just it just crushed me to think through having a you know some other mom is out there with a, a three-month-old as well and she doesn't know how she's feeding that three month old in this moment. And it, it just, the, this, the, oh, the emotion of that moment is something that I, I, I think about a lot. And I try to channel as we try to solve these problems because the, it really is, it's such an emotional thing to have gone through COVID with a newborn. Um, and to think about what, what those other mothers and fathers and caregivers are doing. Um, and to think about, you know, the, the kids who don't have caregivers um, and who are, are in a system where they're struggling to find someone to care for them. Um, so we've got a lot, we have so much work to do for the, you know, the families that, that have roofs over their head. We've also got to make sure that we are including the, the kids that, that don't have a roof over their head or are or, or house insecure and, and need, uh, need to find a family as well. So there's, it's a very heavy thing, as you know, and you've dedicated your life to. Uh, but being a, a mom doing this job is is it really helps you stay focused. And we we are expecting our our second daughter in about a month here. Um, it keeps it keeps us really focused on why we're doing this and and how hard and how hard it is to make it in this economy, right? We 
my husband and I are very fortunate. We both have good jobs and, and support. We My mom lives with us. And so we've got uh, built-in childcare support. Um, but, but even then, right, thing, things are expensive. Life is expensive. And to have a child really, really helps. You know, not every mayor needs to have a small child, but it does help to keep you very, very focused on what those literal month-to-month finances look like, how much diapers cost, how much formula costs, all those pieces. Um, it helps you be keenly aware about what people are facing. Well, we're always talking at Share Our Strength about how hunger is a solvable problem because we have no shortage of food in the country and we have no shortage of uh, really effective food programs. Uh, there's some complexity to it. But uh, on the other hand, I feel like if uh, all of our mayors were moms, <laughs> we wouldn't have hunger in this country for very long. <laughs> yeah, we, we we do like the moms to, to be leaders. That is certainly true. And we've got a lot of child care programs that we're, that we're running or funding um, through our rescue plan dollars. We started with CARES dollars, now through rescue plan We've been we've been funding the institutions themselves and helping make sure that they can expand our next phase here over the next couple of months. We're going to be actually funding families individually to be able to access childcare, which we're really excited about. Uh, Mayor, you've got a, a background in campaign politics, uh, Democratic politics. I've got a background uh, that goes you know back farther. Um, I'm a little bit rusty, but also in Democratic politics and presidential politics. But at the same time, uh, you know, I've always felt that this issue in particular lends itself to bipartisanship and to bipartisan support, and we've seen that on the federal level, uh, certainly with bipartisan support for. Uh, everything from you know school breakfast and school lunch to the to the SNAP and the WIC uh, and other programs. Um, how do you um, see it on the local level in terms of the the opportunity for or the need for bipartisanship when it comes to ending childhood hunger? Yeah, I think that's right. That it's it's hard to it's hard to try to pick apart the hunger issue and somehow somehow stay in your your elected office or. <laughs> Or um, you know, runs runs some any institution, um, and not be on board with with allowing, um, just not being on board on the anti hunger train. So I think that this really is an issue that we can solve together in a nonpartisan way, and we need we need some wins like that, right? You know, of course it's like extremely extremely important issue, but we also need to start proving the case that bipartisanship and just looking at things that's from a completely nonpartisan lens can work. And we've got to, we've got to do that because we've got to get back to, we've got to get back to working together. So I do think that, that fighting hunger, especially fighting hunger for our kids is something where we can bring everybody together. It doesn't have to be politicized. Um, you know, that the, there's so much politicization around climate and environment. And it's that, that part is exhausting because it shouldn't be that way. But can, if we can prove the case here with hunger, maybe that'll help, you know, kind of us to wedge in on some of these other issues that are that shouldn't be uh, split, but are. So I really am happy to be a part of the Mayor's Alliance. I love working with Mayor Giles um, and Mayor Nuremberg. And, and it just mayors don't mayors don't care about party. We just work together and we just get things done. And that's one of the best parts about being a mayor is that ability to just put party aside and do what's right and what's going to be effective for people. And I do think, you know, I'm so glad to hear what you what you said, because I do think there's an opportunity to create kind of some common ground around 
these issues. And, uh, you know, we can't solve everything on a bipartisan basis, but if we can show uh, that we can make some progress on this childhood hunger issue as we have, I think it might give people confidence to go climb the next the next higher hill. Uh, I know you've had a super busy day and, I, and it's probably not anywhere near over. Um, so we probably should wrap up soon. You know, one thing I just wanted to ask you was, uh, as mayor of Scranton and given the uh, formative role that played with our current president, Joe Biden, do you feel extra pressure to to deliver to make sure that uh, Scranton is is the best version of Scranton that it can be? The, you know, our president talks about it all the time. I almost almost every time he says something, he talks about Scranton and the influence of his dad, and um, he's got some great stories about it. Do you do you feel any of that pressure? I don't think of it as pressure. It is very motivating. We are working so hard to show, not just tell, just not just you know, kind of you know, say like, oh, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, or we're investing in America. We're not just saying those things. We are working very hard to show that the the values that the president learned while he grew up here as a kid in Scranton are alive and well in his policies, in the legislation that he's been able to usher through Congress to give us the rescue plan and give us the infrastructure bill. We're working very hard to prove that case um, and tell those stories. It's so important to, to be storytelling about it and be showing people that government really can work, right? The federal government can work with the states, can work with the local local, local governments. Mayors were, were trusted in the rescue plan to get some funds directly from the federal government. And we have deployed those funds quickly. We have deployed them to families. We've deployed them to nonprofits. We've deployed them to small business. We've helped um, startups begin with these with these investments, and so there's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of motivation that comes from being the um, the hometown of the president. It's just it truly is the best time I could ever imagine being mayor of Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's a, a real honor every day. Well, Mayor, your leadership is motivating to us, and I just want to invite you to uh, whether it's you or some of your staff, whenever you think we can be doing more at Share Our Strength in terms of our support of your efforts, our or grants into the community, uh, please let us know. You, I, yeah, I mean, I, I genuinely mean that. Your your leadership uh, really is motivating and inspiring, and I feel like we should be doing more at our end to support you. Well, thank you. Again, it's such an honor to, to speak with you. I've been following you for many, many years and following Share Our Strength. It's, it is a, a real privilege to be able to work with you all, especially as part of the Mayor's Alliance, and we will we will keep doing what we can here, but we can't do it alone. And so we'll look forward to our collaboration. Thank you so much for taking the time out of a busy day to, to join us. Thanks for your leadership on this issue. And with the Mayor's Alliance on Childhood Hunger, uh, we have been talking uh, with Mayor Paige Cognetti of Scranton, Pennsylvania, um, somebody I hope that we'll continue to be in conversation with for a long time to come. Thanks so much, Mayor, for being on Ad Passion and Stir. Thank you for having me, Billy. You've been listening to Ad Passion and Stir. Please visit us at Ad Passion and Stir, and don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Share Ad Passion and Stir with a friend and rate the show so that others can find it. Ad Passion and Stir is produced by Paul Woody Woodle's team at District Productive, with support from our team at Share Our Strength and the No Kid Hungry campaign. That includes my sister Debbie Shore, Pamela Taylor, Megan Cantrell, and Kelly Griffin. We'll be back in two weeks with more stories of individuals sharing their strength to make a difference in the world. Until then, thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.